0: Thank you. Hi, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Open House, a fresh, fun, and real podcast where I, Louise Rumble, invite you inside the therapy room with me to learn from some of the very best psychologists, therapists, and sex and intimacy coaches that I have found. No topic is off the table, no question too juicy, and no experience too shameful. At Open House, everyone is welcome, and we're on a mission to develop a new mental health experience for all, because we believe that true happiness is coming home to yourself under the layers and layers of you that society has told you to be. As ever, please remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only, and you should always seek professional medical help when necessary. Now, let's get into it, and I'll see you on the other side. Hi, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Open House Podcast. Now, today is actually an episode where I guested on someone else's podcast, but I decided I need to bring this to you guys as well. So the episode isn't in its normal structure with the normal intro, the normal middle, and the normal end. But we are talking about starting a relationship in your 30s. And I think this is something that is just not spoken about enough at all. Now, anyone that knows me knows that I have either consciously or subconsciously or just the way that life panned out for me, I have gone against the grain against so many different things in my life for as long as I can remember. But there were probably times where maybe I was like you and I thought, you know, I'm going to meet someone by 28. I'm going to get married at 32. We're going to buy a house together. Then I'll have kids at 34. It felt like this very clear timeline. That was so obviously planned out in my head because so many of us have been almost brainwashed and programmed with this since we're young that often we don't even question it. Now, when I ended up getting broken up with when I was 30, that timeline got thrown right out the window. And I would actually say it got thrown out the window way before that because I think I probably entered into that relationship knowing that it wasn't a forever relationship and knowing that I'm living life differently to others, knowing that I'm not following the timeline that I'm supposed to be following or not reaching the landmarks that I'm supposed to be reaching. And so when I was single, age 30, heartbroken, what I want you to know is I wasn't heartbroken because of the timeline. I wasn't heartbroken because of the shoulds and the coulds and the woulds. Because the truth is a huge part of my journey has been learning to embrace the fact that I am living and running a different path and a different timeline to what is expected of me in society. And that is not only okay, that is also amazing. But that is not to say that it's not lonely and it's not hard being in my 30s and being one of such a small number of my friends who do not own a house, who do not have children, who have not got married. In fact, I'm out here living in Mexico, so far away from the life that I should be living at this age, but really still just learning to lean into this journey of finding out who I am and I truly believe that the closer I get to myself, the closer I get to the real me under the layers and layers of me that society has told me to be, that is when I get calmer. That is when I get happier. And that is when I trust that whatever is meant for me in this life is going to happen. Now, that is not to say that you shouldn't take action, right? Anyone that knows me knows I am huge about taking action whether that is going to get your fertility checked, whether that is talking in therapy about whether you want children, whether that is having comfortable or uncomfortable conversations with someone you love, whether that is freezing your eggs. I am all for you taking action and I think action is something that is really challenging in your 30s when it comes to dating because there's this huge feeling of I should, I should, I should be dating, I should be getting out there and I see it all the time in the house. People saying, I should be dating. Am I ready? Do I really want to do this? I'm not excited by it. Does that mean that I shouldn't be? There are so many shoulds. And I do think that one of these comes from the painful existence of the female biological clock. Now, in one of our bonus episodes, Dr. Terry and I talk about all things fertility, Wanting children, reflecting on that journey. So, if you aren't an open house premium subscriber and you want access to that episode, you can do that through the link in the show notes. It's a very profound journey and discussion that we went on there. But the reason that I'm sharing today's episode with you is because it's the perfect girl talk episode about being in your 30s and also about starting a relationship in your 30s and also why actually that is such an amazing thing that neither of us would change for the world. Now again, that's not to say that people that meet their person in their teens or in their 20s, that that is wrong in any way, shape or form. That is not what we are saying. I am stoked for those people. In fact, I'm like, you guys got it easy. Like you found your person quickly. You had less time in the dating world. You had less time having your heart broken. But what we do share today is this really positive angle of a different way to looking at dating in your 30s and beyond, because this can include your 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, you name it. Now, Emma's already come on the podcast with me once before. She joined me on episode 26, where we spoke about all my friends are getting married and having babies. Can our friendships survive? That's a really interesting episode as well. If you haven't already gone to listen to it and you like these girl talk angles, definitely go and check that one out. Because it's really interesting to see how differently we had opinions on those situations. And I actually have to say, episode 26, that was a long time ago. If you look at how many episodes we have released, we are now in the hundreds. And today we ask each other, do you still feel the same way? Because, oh my goodness, when I say that everyone around me is having babies, is (laughs) buying houses, I mean, they've done it all. Some of my friends are on their second or third children at this point. And I am still out here chasing sunsets, eating tacos for dinner, crying when the air conditioning breaks, and being homesick. So I think this is a really beautiful episode today, as is episode 26. Most of all, before we get into it, because we are going to jump right into it, there is no intro on this episode today. But most of all, what I want to say to you is you are not alone if you feel like you are on a path that is different to everyone else. I have felt like the black sheep of life of my family for as long as I can remember. And it's been something really interesting that I've been going through in therapy and that honestly, I think I need to do more of in therapy to work out what really lies beneath the shoulds and the woulds and the coulds. Because when we remove that programming, when we remove what society has told us we should want, we should need, when we really connect inwards with ourselves, our truth, our quietness, our intuition, that is when we can start to see how we should move forward, whether we should be dating right now and all of those other questions. So peeling back a lot of the things that society have told us we should have, I think is the critical part of healing in your 30s, 40s, 50s and beyond. So I just want you to know that you're not alone. Often I feel like a total failure as the eldest daughter in the family who has not done any of the things (laughs) that my parents maybe thought I was going to do in a personal side of things. And I think the most important thing that I can communicate with you is you are in no way a failure if you haven't done these things. In fact, I think that you are an exceptional human being, that you are in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, beyond and you're listening to this podcast, you're caring for yourself, you are self-reflecting, you are being self-aware, that is how I know that whatever is meant for you, a healthy relationship, children, a family, whatever it is that you want, by being in this space of self-awareness, that is how I know you are taking yourself one step closer to getting there. And if you don't want those things, that is also 100% okay too. And living in Tulum has been revolutionary for me, for that. Because there are people here who do not want to get married, they do not want to have children, and they never, ever, ever want to own a property. And sometimes I think we can become a little controlled by the environments that we have grown up in or that many of our friends are in. And we realize or we forget to realize that there are other people out there doing life differently. So if you want to do life differently, I hope that this episode might inspire you to do that as well. Now, like I said, there is no intro on this podcast, so we are going to jump right in. And most of all, I love you guys so much. See you on the flip side. So I am now
1: just about to turn 36 actually in a couple of months. So a big birthday is coming up and I got out of a long-term relationship at the age of 33. It was actually on the eve of my 33rd birthday. So coming up to three years now since that breakup. And That breakup was just a huge turning point for me. I never, ever expected to be single at this point or stage of my life. And it wasn't as though the relationship was perfect in any way, but I was very tunnel vision focused on this relationship being the one where I would settle down. And I saw in the future, moving to the suburbs and babies and family and all those things. And we were together for four years almost. And it blindsided me in the way of I had to create a new reality for myself. And I spent those years since then really focusing on personal development, really focusing on building up my business, really celebrating being single at 30. Didn't come so naturally. It wasn't like all of a sudden instant, okay, that's it. I'm single and I'm excited. It was really finding ways to lean into that loneliness and do things for me that would light me up, which led me to solo travel. And I moved to Central America for four months a couple of years ago. And then again, did similar thing last year, and I moved into my own amazing apartment and just really embraced being single and got pretty fed up of dating. I won't lie. There was some really Mm. low points. And I would say this time last year, when actually me and you connected and recorded our last episode, I was in a, a low of will he ever come? I was ready to meet someone finally after a couple of years of being single and healing of the breakup. And then I got to work and I really did get to work. I loved your podcast, by the way, during this time. For everyone listening, Lou's podcast is incredible about anything to do with attachment and relationships. Just to say, it was very uh, well received on my end. And I started a new relationship with someone who actually was a friend before and became not a friend, in September of last year. So we've been together for seven months and he just moved in two days ago. So big things going going on there, moved into my apartment. And that's my story. And that's where I'm up to now. And I've just been having a lot of moments of reflection recently about what it is like to be in a relationship at this age and that's why I wanted to talk about this with you and have what we did last time which is a girl chat and just an open honest conversation so I'm going to hand it back over to you and please share what's been going on with you and like you said your last relationship how that
0: kind of evolved now to where you are. Yes, thank you so much for sharing and it's awesome to hear awesome to hear your updates. So I went through my last breakup in my 30s also. I honestly it was so traumatizing. I can't even remember like what year it was or how old I was, but I think I was like 31 maybe. And when it happened, I didn't fight it, you know. I didn't want it to end, but like you said about the tunnel vision, I didn't fight it. Like, I feel like one of my strengths and positives in my whole personality and like way that I live my life is this underlying and undying belief that like everything is going to happen when it's meant to. And that really helps me sort of just like relax and and like, I guess like ah, breathe into life a little bit more. So even though I was heartbroken, I didn't fight it. I didn't even think about my age. I just was like, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to pan out as it's meant to. There's going to be someone else that's out there for me when the time is right. So I did a year of like absolutely no dating whatsoever with a couple of one or two dates in there, but very, very little. Then, you know, just like they always say, it's when you're least expecting it. So we must have recorded in right before I flew to Tulum last year, because I remember I was in London when we recorded. Flew to Tulum just for a holiday with my mum and then I decided to stay out for like another two weeks. I had some friends joining me and I just walked into a beach club and there was this man there and I was like, holy fuck, who is that man? And that man is now my boyfriend and he is Mexican. So we've been navigating the whole like long distance. I've been living in Mexico, but then I also get really homesick. And yeah, like my life's also still in London, right? So I'm kind of been coming back and forth. But yeah, I'm really excited to get into this today because I think we've already just chatted about so many important things. Like you referenced tunnel vision and the things that like we think we're going to be doing by certain ages. And the fact that like, sometimes it just doesn't pan out like that. And you're already dealing with the stress of the heartbreak. The stress of the like losing the friendship, the stress of all of that. And then you're dealing with the stress of the forward pressure. So you're dealing with like the stress of the present, the heartbreak over the past that you're losing because you're losing your past together and the stress over the future. And I feel like that is just so much stress for anyone to handle, like in a breakup at all, let alone when you're in your 30s and you're adding this, like, or society is adding this pressure on top of it. 100%.
1: And you mentioned, which I think is incredible, that you have that unwavering. Belief inside that things were panning out as they were supposed to. And I think I do have that in many areas of my life. But when it comes to when it came at this point, when I was 33 to this relationship, I didn't have that. And Mm. I think what you said, I was grieving this future, the loss of this future life that I thought. And when I came out in retrospect, I probably should have done what you did and taken a year off to heal. But immediately I was like, I need to date. I need to find someone. Oh my gosh, I'm 33. I'm losing the opportunity to have children. I was freaking out. Mm. And now I look back at that time and I'm like, wow, like if only I knew what was coming and what was possible, I wish I never would. And that's why I'm so keen to talk about this topic so openly, because I know so many people in our communities will be listening to this and they'll be in their 30s, whatever age and thinking, but I need to do something quickly or I need to buying someone quickly, or maybe it could be that you're already in a relationship now and you're contemplating ending it and you're worried about doing that because you're nervous Mm. of being alone and single in your thirties. So Mm. that's just a really important message that I already wanted to put out there.
0: Yeah. And just to add on to that, like my therapist always says that always says to me, like, what is beneath the fear? What is beneath the fear? And I think about it in in every situation in my life. Like, and I see it all the time with people feeling like, oh my God, I have to have kids. Oh my God, my time is running out. Oh my God, my eggs are running out. Or, oh my God, there's no good partners out there. So if I lose this one, then I won't find another one. We're going to get into all of that. But I think it's so important to drill down into like, what's the root core fear underneath it? Because it's not really, that the root core fear isn't like being single. Or like being single in your 30s, like there's something below that. So for everyone listening, I would always urge you to go deeper into that. And I'm sure we'll get into like fertility as well. But just to help explain a bit more why I feel like I'm so like everything's panning out as it's meant to, everything is going to be okay. I feel like part of that around the fertility piece is like, I actually don't even know if I want kids. Like I've always thought I wanted kids. It's always been like, of course I'm going to have kids. And then now I'm in my thirties, like I just love my life so much. Like I just love being with my boyfriend. Like I love flying around. I love building my business. So it's definitely something that I'm at right now, especially seeing my all my best friends having babies and being like, wow, the impact that is having on your mental health, your physical health, your relationship, your life. Of course, they are the most amazing thing ever, but from the outside, you see lots of different sides of it. But on the fertility piece, I just feel like I think taking a proactive step into that space of fear can be really beautiful, like go and get your hormones checked, go and get your egg reserves checked, like go and get your eggs frozen. This is obviously something that you know a lot more about than me, personal journey for you. But for me, it's like, I've had my fertility checked. I'm very comfortable. I'm confident in it. I'm very comfortable and confident in the way I live my life. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't party. I don't harbor negative people. Like I, I just look after myself a lot. So I personally have made the decision to not get my eggs frozen because I think that it's going to happen for me or it's not. But for you, that was the best decision to go and, you know, everyone has their own place where you can come to this place of incredible self-empowerment and self-confidence. And I think it's just so amazing to just say to people like, don't be scared, look at that fear and then just fucking step into it and just go and do the uncomfortable thing because it will give you comfort and security, whatever it is. Yeah. And that was
1: completely my journey. So I remember when I came out of that relationship and quite quickly after only a couple of months started really actively dating. And I always say I was husband hunting. I was looking for the father of my future child and I was going on these terrible dates. And mm. afterwards I was feeling so disheartened. I was like, oh, my God, this is the pool of men out there and feeling really bad. And that was the reality check that I had when I did exactly what you just said and looked at the fear. It was like, what really is going on? Because at the time I didn't realize I was husband hunting. I just thought, oh, I'm just ready to meet someone and I'm dating. I was so not ready to meet someone. And I was so being fueled by that fear of what if I don't meet someone, which led me to doing the fertility checks. And mm. I was 33 at that point And I saw that my fertility, that like, gratefully was in a good place. And I decided not to do anything until two years later when I was in the same place again. And I thought, okay, now I'm 35 and I'm still single. I'm still, I'm going to do it now. So, yeah, I love that piece of advice and I'm such an advocate and so outspoken about it that if that is the fear and it is just something, even if it's not even necessarily a fear, but you're curious and you want to know that knowledge is power and it's accessible to you and it will change the way that you date and it will change the way that You put yourself out there in the dating world. Now, I want to get specific into meeting someone at this age because I think for me, it was like night and day of getting into a relationship, even at the age of 29, which is when I met my ex, 28, 29, and now meeting someone at the age of 35. How has it been for you to meet somebody at this
0: age? What, even just what comes to mind when I first ask that? So, my boyfriend is 42. So, he's like a decade, well, just a little under a decade older than me. He's the most relaxed stable, calm, kind, caring, grounded man. Like he is everything. (laughs) Not that I'm not because I am lots of those things, but like, I'm not very stable, calm and grounded. He is like the opposite. He really, really is. But there's no stress with him. He's like, if you want to get married, we'll get married. If you don't want to get married, we don't have to get married. We'll just be in love forever. Like we'll be in a relationship. You want to have kids? Like, okay, cool. We can see if we want to have kids. You don't want to have kids. We'll live an amazing life, just us two. And I think that's where I love how this conversation is different because I feel like we're coming at, or we did come at dating from different angles. Like I love how you're sharing the vulnerability of your husband hunting and the fear-based dating almost that you didn't even realize. And that's something that people don't talk about. And and I love it that you're talking about it because it's something that I don't relate to. So it's something that I've never spoken about. I've never covered on my podcast because I've never, ever gone out there being like, right, you know, one of my best friends did it. It was so clear. She wanted a husband. She wanted kids. She went and did it. Bam, bam, bam. So I love it that you've shared that truth. I think a lot of people resonate. But yeah, for me, honestly, nothing has changed. Like life is just exactly the same. Sometimes I think it's because I've done so much work and like probably the same as you now. This is literally your job talking about dispelling these myths around being in your 30s. But Sometimes I just even forget about age altogether. I'm like, we're all just like messy, beautiful human beings, just kind of, we're all different ages, trying to do different things. We're all facing different challenges. So I would definitely say that the fear of age for me hasn't come into this relationship at all. And that's just a really beautiful way to live. Oh my gosh. This
1: is why I love having these conversations because we do have such different perspectives and the answer is so different from what I will share about what I think the difference is but but and I think what you're saying is amazing because I know a lot of my community and clients have a fear that the love that they'll experience when they get older when they meet someone older whether it's in their 30s 40s and beyond will be less than that like high school love or the love that you have in your 20s and it's just not true and for me it's like actually the opposite but I think that there's something there that people worry like, well, I'll never have love like I did when I was young. Or that first, we idealize those relationships in our 20s where maybe we fall madly and lust with someone. And, and it's not true. Like, and I think it's so great that you said that, that you're like, it's the same as a relationship when you're 21, 25, 27. Because starting a relationship with somebody, actually, the feelings of love that come from starting a relationship are the same, no matter what age you are.
0: Yeah. And I think what I would just add on to that is, yeah, it's very important for me to distinguish between this isn't the same type of relationship that I was in in my 20s. You know, I was in abusive relationships in my 20s. I was in relationships in my 20s where I would cheat on my partner because I loved him, but like I just clearly shouldn't have been in a relationship. I'm in the healthiest, most mature, most calm, most stable relationship. I've gone to therapy for years. He's gone to therapy for years. So for anyone out there that feels like the older you get, the less love you're going to have, the less sex you're going to have, the less passion you're going to have, I'm here to say, fuck no. This is 100% like the man that has held me emotionally the most, physically the most, sensually, like there is no pressure. It's just a beautiful experience. And I'm just so grateful that I'm doing this in my thirties. Like I have actually probably never experienced a truly healthy relationship before this one. I mean, some of them in my 20s were okay, but even if they weren't toxic or abusive, I wouldn't say we were communicating as a 30 plus something. And so just to be in a relationship as an adult, like that is the difference here. And honestly, I'm loving it. I think that's what I said. Is like it doesn't feel different. I'm just living my life, and we're doing it together. And like, it feels so good to have no drama, to have no stress. Whatever comes up, we'll just navigate it together. Like, you know, I just told you before we got on this that I really haven't been very well the last few weeks. Ten days or so, I've been really unwell. So we haven't even done as much as like even really like. Obviously, we've kissed, but we haven't been intimate at all because I feel so nauseous and I've been vomiting. I don't want you to touch me. I literally, I'm like, get off me. I need. bucket next to the bed. And in my 20s, I would have been like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, fuck, we haven't had sex in 10 days. Oh my God, he's going to break up with me or he's going to be texting other women. And it's just like a safety in your 30s with two slightly older people where if you have a healthy partner and you've done the work yourself to be a healthier version of you, oh, you're going to be in something so beautiful, so healthy and so stable. So I just want people to know, don't lose the hope. I love being in a relationship with someone older and starting this relationship being a bit older. And this is
1: exactly why I wanted us to have this conversation because I wanted us to be those people, those women who are saying that out loud. Because I know that many, many, many people are afraid because of society signaling us and conditioning us to say that, Oh, like women, when you're aging, it's like less easy to meet someone and you're on the shelf and all that kind of thing. And it's just so not true. And I keep having Mm. these moments. And it is because of a similar thing that you've shared of that feeling of gratitude and meeting someone in my 30s where it's the past few months. I've just keep having this like flash of like. God, I was single in my 30s and then started this relationship. Now, I want to say if anyone's listening and you met your partner, your husband, your life partner at the age of 18, like everyone has their own path. And and I really want to emphasize that, you know, this isn't to offend anybody or to cause any unnecessary breakups. But for those of us, this episode really is for the ones of us that have had a different path, that have had just by chance, didn't meet someone yet. And find I just single 30, 35, 40 plus, it's been, I'm just so grateful. I can't even put it into words. I keep having these moments of extreme gratitude and my whole body will just like light up mm. and I'm like, I'm just so happy that not only to meet someone at this age, but to have that time of being single and working on myself. I know that the relationship that I'm in now wouldn't be half as good if I wouldn't have had that time from the age of 33 to 35 where I was single. And within that go through all these dating dramas and all the rejections and all of the other things that came with it and the fertility things ironically froze my eggs and then me and my partner started dating one week after the egg retrieval which wow. I think says something which is interesting yeah. it was almost like I had to do that to just move past and and open myself wow. up to, to a new experience but yeah I just think what you said is so true and I, and I can now share and really relate to that of I I've never been in a relationship where I've been able to communicate in the way that I can now. And it's not all connected to age. I'm sure some people are very communicative in their 20s. But there is something here, and let's not beat around the bush when we say it, that the older that you get, the more likely it is that you explore yourself deeper, that you go to therapy, that you get a coach, that you work on yourself, and then also that the other person has also done that work. And for me, I'm now with somebody who is really into psychology and coaching and and meditation and mindfulness and yoga and all the things that I really love, and my exes were just nowhere near that. they weren't interested in self development My ex and I just had completely different interests and we didn't have the communication or the, he didn't have the emotional intelligence that my partner now has and it's and I know that it's really special, so I just hope that we can inspire those of you who are thinking. Oh God, it's all downhill from here. That is all uphill. Really to meet, if you put the work in, to meet somebody at an older age, I'm doing quotation marks older, is really special.
0: Oh, I honestly could not agree more. Like you said, if you're doing the work and I think that that's it is like, if you're in your thirties, if you're in this space of confusion or fear, I think it's about doing the work on yourself because that's when you attract someone else that's also a high value, high quality, high caliber person. And yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I'm so happy to hear you share your story. I think it's just so beautiful that when you do give away that fear and that staying with people for the sake of it or thinking this is it, you actually can look back and say, hey, we actually weren't as aligned as I thought. Or or on the flip side, hey, God, we weren't aligned at all. That doesn't mean you didn't love them. Doesn't mean you didn't care for them. Doesn't mean you didn't fancy them. Like, God, I've loved enough men in my life who I have had 0% compatibility with. But I think you can just look back and be like, okay. What did I learn in my 20s? And that could be like a really great exercise for everyone. Like I always love to say to people, go through all your previous partners and say like, what did you like about them? What did you not like about them? What were the best parts of the relationship? What were the worst parts of the relationship? What would you eradicate from that person's personality if you could? And what will you add to that person's personality? And if you do that for every partner that you've been with, you get this like incredible like analysis where it's like, okay, this is what I love in a relationship. This is what I hate in a relationship this is what I love in a person, this is what I hate in a person. And then all of a sudden, when you're dating new people, you can see where they kind of fit into that jigsaw. So I think looking back can really help you to be really happy in the present. And then you can move forward into the future to like really call something in that's like super aligned with you.
1: Yeah, I really agree with that. And I do want to caveat that meeting someone In your 30s, if that is what you're looking to do, it isn't going to just happen and be all as amazing as we're speaking about if you don't do that work. And I think what you just said, the dating audit, which I love and I get my clients to do, is an example of that. Now, I don't think maybe actually some people just by chance happen to stumble across a partner that fits what they're looking for and has that really high compatibility. But I think that there's something to be said here of doing the work. And I remember listening to your podcast episode where you were speaking about meeting your boyfriend and you all, you did a life therapy session of how you felt about it and all the things that were coming up for you, which I just love your vulnerability of sharing it. And I think it's so important to really share and make sure that everyone knows that there is work to do. It's not going to just happen and click your fingers and that's it.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. Like, I just also want people to know that just because we're saying things are really great doesn't mean that we're not experiencing issues. I have an anxious attachment style. My boyfriend is prone to stonewalling. Like, his communication style is like in conflict. He just wants to shut down. Whereas I'm anxious and I'm like pro conflict. So I just want to fucking go. So, yeah, you know, I mean, we, we honestly do not have conflict, but when we do, very, very rarely, that isn't that's an unhealed part of both of us he still wants to shut down i still want to go at it and even last night like i've been in so much pain with my stomach and i just like have been really grumpy because i've been so frustrated and he was like are you just trying to start a fight and i was like <laughs> no. And he was like, okay, because you do know sometimes you do just try and start a fight, like when you're feeling a bit bored. And I was like, fuck. So I just want people to know that, yeah, you got to do the work. You're not going to come into something as hundred percent healthy and healed. None of us are, but I would honestly say I'm 90% of the way there. And I think that's why I've got a 90% healthy, calm, beautiful relationship. Yeah. Wow. I love that so much.
1: Do you think (laughs) that you're the partner now that you're with? You imagine that you would be with him in the past the type of person that he is his personality the way that he is is he someone that you would have picked in your 20s or is it a result of the work you've done on yourself and really exploring attachment styles for examples and and like you said doing the dating audit that
0: you've now with him such a good question no one's ever asked me that before and I think that Actually, the best way to answer this question is to explain that when I first met him, I was also dating very like loosely another guy who actually was his friend. Anyway, if you were to compare the two of them, they are so vastly different. Like the other guy was the guy that I used to date all throughout my twenties, like hot and cold, inconsistent, promise you the world, never pulled through, super handsome, made lots of money, blah, 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 blah. And then there was my boyfriend who was like, super handsome, man of his word, like not man of many words, definitely would never promise me empty things. It was like the day I met him, he was like, I'd like to take you for dinner. Tomorrow at 8 p.m. Like it just was like we went for dinner the next day at 8 p.m. So I think that when you look at it like that, it was like, oh, the other guy was the guy that I always used to date. But being in my 30s, having done all this work, I was able to take a rational decision here, which is like, what do I want to do? Do I want to continue the cycles that I've continued the whole way through my 20s, which is having insane chemistry with avoidantly attached men who are insanely attractive? And it's never going to lead me anywhere because they are coming at this from a really wounded place or do i want to step into something with an equally insanely attractive man i mean i think he's more attractive but that is calm and well attached and authentic and genuine and the truth is i made a conscious decision i made a conscious decision to go with my boyfriend and i think that something that's so important here is like you have to when you do the work you start to understand how many neurotransmitters and like vagus nerve dysfunction and nervous system butterflies we get with the types of men and women from our past. And it's not being led by them anymore. It's about bringing a conscious awareness to this feels good, but that doesn't mean it's going to be good. Mm. So yeah. Is he the kind of guy I would have dated in my 20s? honestly probably not because like he's got his shit together and he's not avoidantly attached and that was like my criteria for the men that I like to date in my 20s (laughs) so um yeah he's different I'd say and this is where our stories merge
1: I didn't know that (laughs) we had different approaches to dating but I remember listening to the episode where you shared you were dating someone else who wasn't emotionally available and this is that my story is that I was attracted for in the past and not even just in my 20s but even in the past couple of years I was always distracted let's say by what I call shiny objects the men who are emotionally unavailable but they looked really great and they couldn't offer me what I wanted but it made me and I'm also actually attached, so it made me really like excited about them and had like you said the neurotransmitters and the lust and the challenge and the games and all those yeah. things and the funny thing about my story with my boyfriend is that we were friends so we've been friends for two years when I was in Central America in Costa Rica we used to work together and he subletted my apartment when I was away and since then we we became friends and we had a few false starts we kind of went on a couple of dates and I was like it's not really sparks he's really handsome and we have lots in common and it was like very like it was great but I was not like didn't really feel that my, neuro- my neurotransmitters were going wild let's yeah. say and so then I continued on my path of dating all these emotionally unavailable men and he was always there he was always in the background being like hey i'm over Mm -hmm. here and we were like keeping contact and he babysat chica my dog when i was away in london once one summer and and it was just funny because each time i would be like oh like he's actually really great and then i'm like no no because it's Mm -hmm. a pattern and i think what your story is really interesting is that you just broke a pattern by dating these men And then what happened in our story was we weren't best friends seeing each other all the time and we would reconnect every so often. And then we reconnected again seven months ago. And it was like, I remember just having this moment of being like, he's emotionally available and he's all of the things that I want. And we have a really great connection. What am I doing? And it was almost like the penny dropped in like an instant. And it's funny because I used to post funny things on Instagram, like, where are all the emotionally available men? And he used to reply in the stories with his address and like, I'm here. And I'd be like, haha, funny, funny. And then eventually I was just like, maybe you've got a point. And then it was like, I'm not joking. It was like as if we like made an agreement. Like we were hanging out in mine one night and then we were like, should we just be together? It was honestly like, this is what we're talking about. And we're friends and we're like, you're looking for something. I'm looking for something. We obviously have a really great chemistry. We'd already slept together and we knew that it was great. And we were just like, actually, let's just do it. And it was like literally shaking hands and being like, let's try. I've been together ever since. Oh my God, I'm obsessed with that. That's such a good story. I had no idea. <laughs> right, but I just want to say something that I think also I wrote in big capital letters on my pad now is that this like love story, right? Like we all want this huge love story and I think we're waiting for it. And I remember being freaking out after we decided because what, what happened was we decided to be together and I think quite soon after he went went traveling for like nearly a month and I was a bit like, oh my God, like what's happened? And we weren't exclusive at this point and it was right near the start. And but I was really considering the relationship, and I was thinking, well, that's not fun to be with somebody and just like shake the hand like a business agreement. I was like, that's not the love story. My love story is going to be butterflies and sparkles, and it's going to be like lust. And I'm going to walk into the room, and pretty much like all my other ex boyfriends, find the minute I laid eyes and them, I was like, you're mine, you you are mine. And this wasn't that. This was like a really mature decision, and I was just like, hmm, interesting. Like, but it feels boring, right? It felt like yeah just felt like normal it just felt really safe and not dramatic and comfortable and like my attachment system wasn't freaking out and I only knew my attachment system freaking out so yeah like I wanted to make a point of that the whole like package of this love story this Disney romance that we've been fed the Disney bullshit that we've been fed really came up for me and a message that I really now want to share t- to everyone is that if you don't feel the spark at the start like and it's not like overtaking you and you're having some doubts and questions because it feels safe please carry on please keep dating please keep the spark will come if it's meant to come it will come
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad we're talking about this because I feel like people fit into like either two camps. There's like the first one where exactly like we've said, you're driven by your attachment trauma. We're so used to like crazy ass butterflies that we think if it's not that, that it's nothing. Like you and I have been there. So many people have been there. And then there's like on the flip side, the other camp, which is like, if you only have a small spark or no spark, that means nothing. Um, And you should just move on exactly like you just said. But the truth is, and I always say this, your story is exactly the same as mine. It's like when my boyfriend first kissed me, it was like baby butterflies. Like they were baby butterflies in my stomach. And I just felt like so, oh, that was like so nice. And like, I felt curious and like inquisitive and like, oh, like I I just came away from it thinking like, oh, I think I'd like to do that again. Whereas with all the men in my past, it was like, I have to do that again. Mm -hmm. I have to see them again. When are they going to text me? Are they going to text me? When can I next see them? Like such like intensity of emotions. Whereas with him, like I just say, it was like, it was just baby butterflies and they grew and they grew and they grew. But I would just love to talk about this point around like safety and stability. Because I haven't thought about it enough, so I don't have an answer as to whether it's something that we want more in our 30s because we're more ready to settle down. Because I definitely didn't want it or need it in my 20s, but it's so beautiful. And for me as well, it's like emotional safety and emotional stability, not even just like physical stability of having a partner. And I think we've all gone through so much in our life. We all carry so many stories and fears and so many things that it's just so beautiful to be able to share them with someone. And that's why I love that your boyfriend was your friend before, because I had that with my ex. We were friends for like two years before anything. And it is just truly the foundations of something so amazing. If you are friends with them, you have that sta- that safety and that stability from day one. So anyone listening, if you are, obviously dating a friend can be difficult, but if you are looking at doing it there, it can be amazing. But yeah, I just was wondering if you felt that, like this kind of emotional safety and stability that maybe you didn't experience in your twenties.
1: I think that priorities do change as you get older. Yeah. I really, really do. I think whether it's even in relation to wanting to have children or not, it doesn't matter. I think in your 20s, and I can speak for myself, and it sounds like you also have a similar experience, like my priorities were to have more passion and lust and and excitement and adventure. And I'll be honest, I, I, when I was dating in my 20s, even my boyfriend that I had when I was 21, 22, I did genuinely believe I was going to marry him. It wasn't that I thought, oh, this will only last two years. But the things that I was looking for with that person, very different to what I'm looking for now. So, and I genuinely know this from working with so many clients in their thirties that I just believe that the older you get, the more you prioritize actually wanting that safety. And I agree with you. It's mm. not even just physical safety of like, okay, somebody who can be there for me and provide, I don't know, like a safe space for me to live or something and money and, and things like that. But no, I'm talking about that person who is that calm that peace that you said it at the start when you were describing all the qualities of your boyfriend you were like he's so calm he's so peaceful he's so relaxed like he's so stable and yeah I for me totally wouldn't have put those things very high on my list at 25 and I can tell you at 35 I've understood and if I was to look for, hopefully it won't happen but if ever in the future I was to look for someone again they would be right at the top of my list for sure
0: I think that's exactly what we should talk about now is like this concept of looking for people in the future, because I don't think that anyone ever talks about this, right? Because I don't want people listening to this being like, oh, okay, they're 33 and 36 or 33 and 35 and they found their people. So it's really easy for them to do this podcast saying like, oh, it all works out. Okay. Like everything's going to be okay. And like, I want to share the reality of my situation is that like, I love my boyfriend so much. Like I truly, truly, truly do but he is Mexican and he lives in Mexico. And my whole life is in London. We have logistical issues. We have visa issues that we have facing us. We have, I don't particularly love living in Mexico. I'm very lonely here. I've been very unwell here. I'm here purely for him. Like I wouldn't be here if he wasn't. So I want people to know that just because you find someone in your thirties doesn't mean that it's it. And it doesn't mean that it has to be it. Because I'm also seeing people around me that I never thought were breaking up. So I think that again, it comes back to this fear-based mentality of like this ownership, the holding, I have to hold on to this person, et cetera, et cetera. The truth is we need to just be viewing all of these relationships as vehicles to teach us about ourselves ourselves. What are we learning from this person? What cycles are we breaking, et cetera, et cetera? And like you said, if I was to ever be single again, I really hope that I won't be, but never say never about anything in life. You don't know what will happen tomorrow. You know, you just have no idea. Like, if I was to ever be single again in life, being in this relationship would have changed everything about the way that I date. So I think it's about people listening to this, understanding that. Relationships are just vehicles to teach us about other people, to teach us about ourselves and take us to knowing that you're only gonna attract a relationship that is as healthy, as amazing, or more so than where you are now. So I love just turning this narrative on its head of like, don't have to hold on to it. I'm so happy you brought this up
1: because I think that there's just this obsession with people thinking if you meet someone at age 33 or age 35 yeah. or age 40 or that has to be it. And it's like No. How can we know? Let's look at the divorce statistics, right? 50% of relationships don't work anyway. I have to say, I did some research and apparently meeting someone in your 30s, the divorce statistics are much, much lower because you know yourself more. Everything we've been talking about means that it's less, it's more likely the relationship will be longer than if you meet someone in your 20s, which I love that statistic. But it's bullshit, quite frankly, that we have to be in this mindset that it's your forever person. And it causes a lot of anxiety. So I, I'll share, vulnerably share that when I first started dating my boyfriend, it felt pressure of my age. It felt like, oh my God, we're now, I'm now getting into a serious relationship with someone. What if it doesn't work out and I've wasted a year and I'm going to then be 36 and single. And, and I remember going through this like weird feeling and it affected the dynamic between us. Full disclosure, my boyfriend is six years younger than me. So he's just turning 30, very on brand. I know I'll have to- <laughs> Love it. Uh, <laughs> but you know- It created this dynamic of, oh my God, so you need to know the answer. I need to know the outcome. It's not healthy to think. It's actually toxic to think that way. It makes sense why we think it, because society just so wants every single person to just meet the love of their life by the time they're 30 or, you know, 35 at least. And it can't be a formula. How is it possible that every single person in the world happens to stumble upon somebody that they want to have a relationship with, and then it lasts forever by that age? It's impossible. So yeah, I really love that you brought that up. It's not to mean that mean you we're not in good relationships now. It's just the reality of it is that yeah, you can be with someone at this age, and it might not work out forever. And you can be with somebody and break up at 39, at 45, at 50. My parents are divorced, and they both met other people in their 50s and 60s, and they're now happily married to other people. They probably never predicted that when they got married when they were in their 20s. But it's just a really important thing to pick up on because like you said, it feels like incorrect to even say the words, if I was single again, that this is what I would look for. But we might be, who knows? We just never know what's going to happen.
0: Yeah. And I say that sometimes on my podcast. And sometimes I do have a moment where I'm like, oh my God, people must think I'm like thinking about being single. And that is absolutely not at all what I'm thinking. I'm just a realist. Actually, I'm not a realist at all. I'm like the world's biggest optimist. But if I'm being realistic in those moments, you have no idea what is going to happen in your relationship. So I think that, yeah, it is... Just be open-minded to this could last a month, a year, a decade, or a lifetime, but however long it lasts for, it is going to teach you something beautiful. And in that moment, it might be so painful. Like We look back at some of our hardest and most beautiful lessons, and we had to experience them through ultimate pain. But I think, again, just tying back to what we said at the beginning is I don't have any fear around this. If I had to break up with my boyfriend for whatever reason, I would happily wait to my 36 38 40 42 if i wanted to have kids i'd probably want to be meeting them by 40 and getting that moving but i'd happily if i wasn't having kids meet my forever person 45 50 55 i'm just saying hypothetically like we've just got to be open minded to this and not yeah. like not go all in on the love story like i always look at this like Justin Haley and Selena thing and everyone is so obsessed with the fucking love story like obsessed with choose this girl, choose this girl, choose this girl, hate this girl, that no one ever actually underneath it ever asks, how are any of you feeling in this situation? Mm -hmm. And I think we just need to hold space for how we actually feel underneath the pressures that society say. You've met someone, you're 36, settle down, have kids. Whatever happens, you're going to have an amazing experience. Yeah,
1: completely. I couldn't agree more. I wanted to pick up on a topic that I know we just spoke about before we uh, pressed record. And I think it's a really important one. And I just start by asking you what are the challenges that have been brought up for you being in a relationship at this age and has it affected friendships it's the same question it's about friendships and I think it's really important and for anyone listening the first episode that me and Lou recorded together was all about friendships and being single we really talked about changing friendships and what it's like when your friends are going through different stages of life so I was really interested to pick up with you again and see if that has been a challenge for you and if so how
0: Yes. So I think in the last episode, I was saying that my friends having babies and my friends getting married and buying houses really didn't affect me at all. It didn't affect our friendships at all. Like I just felt like everything was the same as normal. I think it's really interesting a year down the line to see that I'm probably not there anymore. And I would say I'm more in your camp, which is like, yeah, okay. Some of my friendships are really being impacted by this. And I think it's because my friends are now on their second babies And they're looking at moving out of London. And there's just so much that is going on in their world. And I think that me being so far away, I feel very disconnected and very lonely from that. It's it's much harder to keep up those friendships when we're not in the same place. So I would definitely say that's been difficult. And they don't know my boyfriend. They're not getting to share in our love story together. And like, yeah, I would just say that my friendships have become more I just feel more lonely is the truth I don't know if that's distance I don't know if that's dynamics with what they're going through and I also feel like I don't fit like my boyfriend he doesn't party but he definitely likes to party more than me whereas I don't like really want to do that either like I don't do that honestly I've done enough partying to last a lifetime. So I feel like I'm stuck sort of in this like hybrid middle ground between like the people that party, maybe the single people, and then the people that all have two kids and a townhouse. And I'm sort of like wafting somewhere in between, like in Mexico, not doing any of those things. Like a typical me, I'm always taking the slightly more unique path, but yeah, I would say I'm finding it difficult and I'm, I'm missing some of my old friends for what we used to have. I would say, what about you? I think it really relates to the hybrid
1: description that you just said. And for me, I feel like when I was single, I managed to create this amazing tribe of women. It was like a really big goal for me that I set out to do. It was after the breakup. My friends, oh my God, they were incredible. And I also just invited into my world so many new amazing single friends. Not for partying, really. I mean, I did, I guess, party a little bit more when I was in that phase, but very much just like a supportive, uplifting group of women who really became big part of my life and now I've met somebody I feel in a weird limbo it's like I'm not single anymore and at first I really clung on to that I have to say the biggest challenge that I found which is a bit in relation to friendships but just in general is moving from that single mentality and single life that I was just I really built an amazing single life and it was such a great chapter and leaving that chapter and going into a relationship was difficult. And that's something I don't think many people speak about because society celebrates so much being partnered that we forget that sometimes it can be hard to go from being single to being in a relationship. And a big part of that was not feeling like I have friends who are at the same stage of life as me now. So I'm kind of missing being that single person because I still hung out with all my single friends all the time, but I'm not, we're not on the dating apps together. I'm not able to share funny stories about going on dates and stuff. that That's now something that's not happening. But I still am not where my friends are who are having babies and doing all the things that you were just sharing about your friends as well. My friends, one of my friends just had a fourth baby, which is wild. Wow. And my friends are all <laughs> on a third, which I guess if you're 33, then it will make sense that in a couple of years, your friends would probably be on their third as well. And I'm also not there. So it's this weird limbo of being like, yeah, it's like a new, like, No man's land. (laughs) And I'm like, there's not that many people who are in the same position as me, especially who have got new relationships. Not that many of my friends have entered new relationships. They've either been with their partners for for years or they're still single. So it's been a challenge to navigate that. And I think that I definitely feel a little bit more, I guess, not less resentment, but I feel a little bit more open minded now to talking to my friends about the ones who. Are doing those next set with babies. I'm not super into other people's kids. I can't just be honest and say (laughs) that, but I'm a little bit like less triggered. That's the word I was using. I used to feel very triggered. I felt I'd have to spend days in my. All my friends are talking about babies. We we spoke about it on the episode, and I feel less like that now because it feels more like an option for me in the future. But yeah, I definitely find it hard. Like you were saying, it feels lonely a bit, and it feels like your friends who are at the kids phase it's not important to them to hear about my new relationship. Like they've got so many other things going on that is like more pressing for them. And my friends who are single, like you don't want to kind of call them up and be like, what's happening with me? i mean, this amazing new conscious communicative relationship. And then I just put their finger up and be like, all right, that's boring. (laughs) Tell me something, you know,
0: and it's hard. Let's just say it. It's difficult to be in this limbo. I couldn't agree more. And I had this conversation with someone literally yesterday or the day before, which was that, I thought that she wasn't, It's one of my friends, I thought that she wasn't in a very healthy relationship. And I basically had a conversation with her saying like, I'm worried about a couple of things for you because of what you've said. And we basically concluded that like, yeah, okay, there were some issues going on in the relationship. But what I thought was so interesting was that she only shared with me the really bad times. And so I didn't see all of the really good times and all of this, blah, blah. And I just had that realization in that moment is like, wow, that is so right. Like you often only really share when you need your friends, when you're in a bad space. And then that's when they get like this idea of like, oh, they fight all the time or blah, blah, blah. You never go to them and say, oh we stared into each other's eyes last night and I just realized like, finally dating an emotionally available man. Like, no, they'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, we just keep that to ourselves. Yeah. And then, so I just really agree with what you said. It feels lonely because we have to keep our love stories sometimes to ourselves, but also then sometimes you only share the challenges or the fears or the things you're scared of. So people might be like, you might have a conversation with a friend and they might come away from it being like, Oh, She's worried about the age gap with her boyfriend, like for you or like for me. Oh, she's worried about the long distance like logistics with her boyfriend because we're not going to sit there for over brunch saying how incredible things are for the whole brunch. You seem to talk more around pain points and things that need solutions. So I just think that's really interesting as well. Like it can be a bit of a lonely space.
1: Yeah. I was speaking to one of my friends about this who... She doesn't live in the same city as me and we voice know a lot. And she's always like, whenever I tell her things are going really well and things are good, she's like, well, it's boring when things are good. I want to hear the bad stuff. I'm like, okay. Uh And don't get me wrong, there is not, it's not all sunshine and roses, but isn't it funny how when there is good stuff, we just don't feel that comfortable to keep sharing it. Or if we share it, it's very short. It's like when someone asks how you are and you're like, yeah, I'm I'm fine. Or if you're not fine, it's like how you are. Oh my God, this is going on. I'm stressed about this. This is this. And it's so true. And I think that. It's maybe something we should be really aware of if we feel like our friends are only sharing bad stuff that maybe it's not as it seems and they're trying to like maybe it's natural for our brains to go there and also maybe make themselves or them feel better around us because we don't want to seem smug, right? It feels like I can even say vulnerably that I'm nervous to release this episode because I'm nervous that people will listen and be like, oh, here we go. She yeah. got all smug. She finally found a boyfriend and now she's telling him the whole world and all her podcast listeners. But it's like, not true. Let's celebrate. Let's really celebrate and be inspirations for people who need to
0: hear about being in a relationship kind this. We've been like very real here about a lot of things. So yeah. I'm so grateful we've been able to do this. So thank you yeah. so much. Amazing. And I'll see everybody yeah. on the podcast